if you haven't embraced flexible work, if you're still hanging on to, I've built this beautiful space. I don't understand why people aren't coming into the office. I want to be here. I want to be with them. They should want to be here. Get over it. You're listening to Commerce Talk with Smart OSC. Welcome to Commerce Talk with Smart OSC. I'm your host, Adrian Wakeham, the Regional Manager for Australia and New Zealand at Smart OSC. Today, we're talking talent in e-commerce. It's a short word, but it's a big problem for a lot of companies. So where do you look to to find talented people? How do you upskill your staff? And how can you even measure talent in such a rapidly changing industry such as we have in e-commerce? So to help answer these questions and a fair bit more, we're speaking to someone who knows a thing or two about e-commerce talent. It's an honor and it's also a bit of a fanboy moment for me, if I'm going to be totally honest, because our guest today was one of the inspirations behind us even starting this particular podcast. Not only does he run an e-commerce recruitment agency, but he speaks to the brightest stars in Australian e-commerce every week on the excellent Add to Cast podcast. So thanks for joining Commerce Talk, Nathan Bush. Adrian, it is brilliant to be here with you. Thank you very much, Bushy. Um, yeah, look, absolutely fantastic to have to have you with us. Um, so yeah, look, let's let's please kick off with Nathan Bush in your own words. Wow, that's a dangerous thing. And please, no fanboy, because obviously <laughs> I met you really early in my e-commerce journey when you're at Power Power Retail, and um, I was always envious of all the people you got to speak to as well. So it goes both ways. So I suppose if I was just to summarize what I do, I won't bore with bore people with a, with the full backstory. But essentially, I love everything e-commerce, and um, I've been around in multiple roles in e-commerce, from agency side to retailer side. I was at Super Retail Group for six years, heading up their digital and e-commerce uh, to consultancy, and now running eSuite, which has been really exciting for the past year and a half. Uh, we've been running, which has absolutely flown. So at eSuite, we do recruitment. Absolutely. We do recruitment specialized in e-commerce uh, and working with um, some of the best retailers in Australia. But part of that as well is, is we do e-commerce training. So for us at eSuite, it's everything about people because there's plenty of great agencies, such as Smart OSC, that look after the technology and look after the marketing. But we find that less and less, there's not a focus on people, e-commerce people. And we know that without great people, businesses don't grow. So that's that's where we're trying to work. And as you mentioned, Adrian, we also run the Add to Cart podcast, which is now coming up on 200 episodes. So uh, that's been a fun journey. So yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. Beautiful. Um, and yeah, look, and again, obviously with that background and you talked about the training side of things, um, I thought I might actually start us off with an observation that that I've made and I've heard from other people over the last few years, you know, for people around the industry. And I just want to see whether you'll have the same experience. You know, when we ask a lot of e-commerce veterans, and it sounds weird to be talking about people like you and me that were veterans after maybe only about 10 years or so uh, in the space, but it's how they got into the industry. And almost everyone I've spoken to of a similar vintage or, or older in the space have also have also said that they fell into e-commerce by accident. Has, has that been your experience? Uh, and, and I guess probably more importantly, is that how it's still working today? It's certainly been my personal experience. And I think anyone who 
has come through COVID in e-commerce is definitely a veteran now. So you could be a veteran after two years probably. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, absolutely. Most people are falling into e-commerce and it was certainly my experience 15 years ago. But what we generally see is that people come into e-commerce typically from three peripherals. And I always explain the three peripherals as either coming from a marketing perspective. You see a lot of people coming into e-commerce as, hey, I can run socials, I can do great content, I can get ROI. And that is their kind of gateway into e-commerce. Or I come from a technology point of view. So, hey, I can put platforms together, I can design websites, I can make everything work. And all of a sudden, they're a retailer. And then you also get people who are actual retailers at heart and come at it more from an operational point of view. So they may have been working in traditional retail or other areas, and then they find themselves going, actually, I love the the ins and outs of e-commerce and I'm ready to run this as a store. So they're typically the three areas we see people fall into e-commerce from, operational marketing and technology. But I think you know, more and more, there are more specialist positions opening up. So it's not just the typical trajectory from a, you know, e-com coordinator to an e-com specialist, to an e-com manager, to a head of e-com. There are much larger teams now and specialists within that team. So whether that's UX or product or finance specific for e-commerce, it's allowing people to use skills that they may have developed at university or in other areas and go, actually, no, this is my e-commerce career and I'm going to start with this specialization. Okay. And and, and look, and again, obviously with yourself, you know, you mentioned those three areas um, that people were generally coming into it from. So, I mean, for you personally, I mean, where, where were you gaining the, the, the skills and, and, and the knowledge base that, that you had across e-commerce? So, and more importantly, how were you upskilling yourself as you, as you came through before you flicked across? Look, it's one of those things that I think it was probably my biggest mistake coming over. So I went from an agency side, so uh, an advertising marketing agency, and, uh, and I'd got to the point where I was heading up strategy for clients. And that, that included a lot of e-commerce clients as well, but never actually worked in a retail business. And I came over with some great advertising and digital knowledge. And I was like, I'll apply this to this online business. But what I didn't realize was the intricacies of retail. And so I think you know, a lot of people lump e-commerce as digital. And if people, we often hear people describe e-suite as a digital business. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not a digital business. We're a, we're a retail business, if anything. And I never, I didn't, at the start, didn't understand the intricacies of retail. Uh, and I think that's an area a lot of people have to get up to speed with because retail in itself has its own uh, mechanisms and rhythms, I suppose, that once you start learning them, you go, oh, cool. Okay, now I can put the layer of digital and data and everything else over the top of it because retail is its own beast. And I think that's where a lot of people need that, that learning curve. So I spent a lot of time with career retailers. So whether that was, whether they were in e-commerce or otherwise, just having those conversations and, and kind of absorbing as much from people who have been in the retail industry for a long time kind of helped me get up to speed. And I guess and off the back of I guess off the back of that, and we've already mentioned the C word in, in in COVID, sort of having you know given a lot of lifetimes experience in two years. Now, obviously, just look, look at, at at yourself and eSuite as an example. You'd started that pre-COVID. What was there a particular eureka or light bulb moment for yourself where you realised that there really is an e-commerce talent problem 
in Australia that 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 could be that could be addressed? Yeah, I think. It, well, I was consulting basically, so I was at Super Retail Group for six years. Got to the end of that, did a lovely replatforming um, onto Salesforce Commerce Cloud, and and got that. And then I was like, okay, what's the next challenge? And the next challenge for me was taking that knowledge and helping other organisations develop their e-commerce, especially from an omni-channel point of view. And I was in an organization, a large retailer, uh, a household name, and they, and I could see, I was basically in there as uh, leading up some core projects to help develop their e-commerce functionality. And I saw in the way the team were operating that they had some of the best inbreed tools. And we're talking Salesforce, we're talking Adobe, we're talking that kind of stack. It was a really nice stack, but then it got to simple tasks like sending an email and no one had the capability to send an email without using an agency. And they had a good sized team and it was costing them a fortune. And it quickly dawned on me and I'd seen it for a while, but that was the moment, that light bulb moment that you, you talked about was the moment where it was like, what's the point of having all this tech and all this marketing capability if you don't have the people who can run this? and get the value out of it. So that was my light bulb moment that led from consulting into, into eSuite. And I guess with that in mind, I mean, why was there anything that you'd sort of seen is that was it companies mistaking what was actually a talent problem for, for technology and technology or marketing, marketing issues? Is, was that something that you, obviously you've seen it was beyond just that, 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 that one retailer you were working in. But yeah, is, is, there, is there again another reason why you've been able to put your finger on potentially why why it's gone down that way? When you talk to marketing and tech, both of those are often positioned as almost like a silver bullet, right? So if we can get your ROI above 10 times, if we could just put this email platform in, it'll solve all our problems. It'll get us to our goals. That's how it's often seen. And people who have been in and around it like yourself know that there are no silver bullets, but often those are the solutions that are put up. And People are hard, right? People, it's not easy to manage people. It's not hard to attract. It's not hard to engage and motivate people. So it's often the last thing that businesses turn to when they go, oh, we're really not growing as fast as we need to or we're not hitting the targets that we need to do because it's easier to solve it with marketing or tech. Whereas if you, the great businesses out there, the ones that are sustainable and the ones that are growing really have brilliant teams and their leaders put so much time and effort into developing and making those teams happy. And, you know, and, and I guess in a good segue from there is in terms of around that, that, that overall recruiting and, up, and upskilling and just the overall landscape is, you know, and, 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 and I guess and, and we'll bring this around full circle into the training side of, the training side of things as, as we keep going. But, I mean, would, is it too broad a statement to say that people working in e-commerce probably need to upskill with a greater frequency than those in other industries or even traditional retail? No, I don't think it's unfair. I think that's a, that's a fine statement. And I'm not sure whether it's upskilling or whether it's just being endlessly curious. I don't think you can be in e-commerce without just wanting to know more about what's possible out there. And if you're not curious, you won't learn no matter what opportunities are given to you. So I think it's probably more curiosity than training. But when we, even when we speak to training though, we use the old training breakdown. It's a model that's been around forever. It's a 70, 20, 10 model. So 70% on the job, on the job experience, like pushing yourself into new areas, discovering new things. Um, anyone who's in e-commerce will know that the things you learn are probably through Google. 
really. It's through trial and error. No one, a lot of the things that you're trying to do, no one's done before. Um, and there's not too many people in Australia who have. So we find out a lot of things by just getting in and doing and Googling and failing and working through problems that we do day to day in our businesses. And then we've got 20%, which is what we call mentoring or peer to peer learning. So that's, you know, things like you and I have been to conferences uh, around the place, bumping into new people, sharing stories, having, tr- having um, mentors, having great leaders, all those little nuggets that you get, the shortcuts in your career, if you can put 20% there. And then 10%, I say, is formal learning. And it's a really small part of how people learn in e-commerce is through formal learning. But if you're relying on formal learning to bring you up to speed to be the best e-commerce person, it's just not going to happen. It can definitely give you the foundations, but you've got to be really curious to go after it and get it yourself. And, you know, and, 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 and you're possibly preempting with the same curiosity word. Um, so sort of the next question I was going to have is in certainly where we look at, at the, at the recruiting space, because as you're saying, there's a lot of digital recruiting agencies and they tend to be very focused either on the tech side or the, or the, or the digital marketing skills side of things. I mean, what, what is it in your observation about e-commerce roles in particular that has made them particularly challenging for traditional recruiters to, to potentially try and fill? A lot of it is. What we were talking about is that you're recruiting retailers, not necessarily propeller heads. So you really want people who understand the nuts and bolts of how this business works. And the retail model is typically, usually, a low margin game. So you can't just go out there with the best and the the most brilliant ideas. You've got to have a commercial understanding of how that all comes together um, and what that means for the business. So I, I always talk about, you know, when we talk to clients, we want to talk as retailers, not recruiters. And the team at eSuite, not to plug them, um, but it's, you know, our team isn't made up of recruiters. So we could probably have doubled the eSuite team by now, if I'm honest, but we've held off because our approach is to bring people into the team who have experience in retail and e-commerce so that when we talk to clients and we talk to candidates, it's a conversation about e-commerce first and foremost, and that jobs come after that. So for us, it's really important to be able to talk to the business of retail first. And I guess that also comes back into the fact that around in terms of some of the challenges that that might be unique to e-commerce is you and I sing from the same song sheet as do many 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 other people who 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 i respect so greatly in, in this industry and you know retails retails retail you know with you know and, and how many people have talked about dropping the e from e-commerce because you know what what makes a good retailer is what makes a good e-commerce retailer in theory it's just the fact that the method of delivery is possibly a little bit a little bit different and you've got different challenge and you've obviously got some things which are unique to to operating in an online sphere please don't drop the E because it'll really ruin all our websites and my social profiles. I have to redo everything. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It can't do it. It will. (laughs) No, (laughs) but, uh, uh, but yeah, but again, are you seeing it? Because again, you sort of got, when you're talking risks and challenge, you know, there's risks and challenges sort of come, come in, come in equal measure and you've got, risks as as a staff member who who might have been thrust into having to work in 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 the on the e-commerce store and if they you know if, if either they don't continue to upskill they might have come in with a certain level and they don't continue there they've got that risk there 
the business itself also has you know ha has has the risks of not making sure that their staff are upskilling along with with the pace of change which is in some cases meteoric are there any other particular risks that you think that you think people should you know should be aware of for other other the staff or the company uh, and likewise extending that risk is are there any particularly e-commerce unique challenges that that they need that they need to be prepared to face um apart from <laughs> retailers usually being in industrial areas where it's a culture shock for a lot of people coming from other industries <laughs> <in>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, no look i think there's shiny shiny object syndrome i think is one of the risks because retail can be repetitive um, you know, we talk a lot about year-on-year -year results. We talk a lot about squeezing as much as we can out of what we've got. There is the shiny light, shiny object syndrome that can come in and really take focus off uh, what you're trying to do for a business. So I've seen a lot of people get wrapped up in new concepts and new ideas, which are absolutely fine, and think that this is the brand new retail. This is the 100% way of the future. There is no other way that we will ever be shopping online than online and in so social shopping, NFTs, whatever it is, all will have a place at some point, but they won't replace the overall model. And I think there's a lot of people who get caught up in that and thinking that retail needs to be reinvented, um, but it, it doesn't. It just needs to be evolved. So I think that's something that people can get distracted by, especially if you come from a background, especially that digital or tech background, and you want to move stuff a lot quicker. And because um, we get caught up in that notion that why wouldn't you shop online? Like that's our world, right? We shop on, like we build websites. We show how easy it is to shop online. Why the hell are 85% of people still shopping in store? It doesn't make sense. Surely that's got to stop. That's going to fall over at some point. But it's not because we are a certain segment of society that are so ingrained in e-commerce. It doesn't mean that all our customers care about e-commerce as much as we do, even though it's great. Now, it will continue to grow, but there's room for everything. And I think if you dismiss all other channels, um, such as the power of a physical store, then you get wrapped up in, a, in your own world, which isn't representative of customers. It's actually funny speaking on Add to Cart to a lot of founders um, in e-commerce the thing that I hear the most is that people saying, I actually don't like shopping online. And these are people running e-commerce businesses. Um, but they, you know, the, the thing that's made them successful founders is that they look at the world through a retail perspective and they understand that just because it's not them, they, they, they need to understand their customer, not how they experience it and what they think the future is. That's a really interesting point, especially because you're talking about, especially those coming in from the marketing background where it's all about, how do I get ten bucks out of the out of the out of the poker machine for you know for the every dollar I put in? Sorry, Mark Bartzer, stealing stealing your line there. And he'd he'd come back and say, oh, it's only five now. It's only five now. <laughs> he would come back and say that. And let's bring that back around now to to the training, you know, to the training aspect of it, you know, and uh, and and obviously something that that I know is incredibly near and dear to your heart and has been for a long, long time, even way before Eastweek, from from our conversations over the years. We look at look. At, for example, again, plug, plug, plug for your e-commerce accelerator program. But would the e-commerce industry benefit from a more universally accepted skills benchmark? And I'm talking the idea of standardization here, you know, again, because obviously you've got the companies, their, their partners, 
and the individual employees are potentially impacted by that. So, you know, and, and you can ex and you can extrapolate that out as well. Is does having that skill stand would that skill standardisation ultimately benefit the consumers who are going to be shopping from these retail stores? It's an interesting question, and it's one that I've never actually been asked before. So I love that you put it forward, and I think my answer is no. I think that if we standardise e-commerce, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. One of the things that we work through with the accelerators, it's one of the very, very first points that I make in week one with our students is that this course, even though it's a foundations of e-commerce over 10 weeks covering everything from finance to tech to marketing to supply chain and more, is that I'm not going to teach you everything about e-commerce. Like, I want to give you the foundations, but the foundations is foundations in terms of teaching how, how to think and analyze rather than teaching you every nook and cranny of e-commerce because the boundaries are constantly changing. The way we do things are constantly changing. You're never going to know everything. I think there are definitely some areas of e-commerce that you have to have an understanding of, and they're mainly around the legal side of it and your obligations around data and things like pricing and promotions um, and understanding you know, from, you know, don't, don't screw this up because there are regulations and there are things you've got to follow. But I would say on top of that is that as long as you understand the fundamentals of how an e-commerce business works and the levers that you have available to you, it's up to you to make the most out of them. And I don't think there's a playbook that you can follow that will work for every business and every person. So, so would it be, and again, this is coming back to your 70-20-10. I mean, this is obviously, you're talking the 10% in terms of, in terms of formal skills. It's a, it's a bad business model, isn't it, when I put it like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. You should flick it around, mate. Flick it around. How, how, do, you, how do you work on the, start doing it in store? Take, take people in and, and get, get them up, get them up, up and down ladders in, um, in warehouses and, 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 merchant, and merchandising, merchandising stores at, um, at Christmas time and Halloween. The, uh, so, it would it, so would it be safer to say rather than standardisation is the wrong word to say, but it, it, is it more more like setting setting a foundation or a benchmark? Because uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll throw something else at you is is I heard uh, another person much much smarter than me say in a, in a presentation he was giving a couple of years ago, and he was talking about the fact that you know best practice won't necessarily be best practice for your retail brand because just because it works for this person, they might even be in the same niche as you selling to the same types of customers, selling the same product, but what works for them won't necessarily work for you. But you've obviously got to, you've got to draw a line somewhere to, to, to build upon. Yeah, we always, we call it foundations. Um, and, and that's what we, we try and put in place because um, you're absolutely right, is that what works for one retailer won't work for another. And don't try and copy your competitors. Try and do better than them. Analyze it. And, and if you've got those foundations, that gives you the, the ability to think more creatively and to come up with options rather than go, cool, nail, hammer, let's do this. And, and try and go through without thinking because, you know, what's the most frustrating question for an e-commerce business owner? It's what's my conversion rate? Well, what should my conversion rate be? Because no one can tell you. And that's the answer. Everyone goes, oh, cool. It should be 3%. Um, that's what they want. But you can't because every business is different. Every customer is different. If you try and standardize things like that, it's just, it's, you're not going to get, you're not going to push yourself to get the best results that you can. And I think, you know, and, 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 I, and I guess this is also potentially where some of the challenges come across there as well. Because again, if you're coming in as a marketer, you can be, 
tertiary qualified in in marketing you're, if you're coming in from the tech side you've got you know you've done degrees in computer science and, and and programming and all these other sorts of things which sort of build you know which build into it you can do you know you can go you know you can get ceo training um you know <laughs> in terms of the things which are teaching you at that end there so you know so, and again sort of flicking it back in you know for for retailers who are saying okay well you know how do i you know how do i how do i do this to make sure that i'm bringing in people that have this baseline level of knowledge short of just looking at a, at a cv or if they've come in from some of these other areas I, I mean would you say that i mean should this be driven by any particular part of the industry like should it be driven by the retail associations should it be driven by you know should it be self-regulated by by the retail rather retail industry itself or is it something that again goes back in through the educational institutions or what or going through private private organizations like yourself no look I, I think we have a part to play in it but we're not the answer i don't think anyone's the answer if i'm totally honest like you and i both know a lot of this the e-commerce leaders in australia who don't have tertiary qualifications they don't have any formal qualifications but they are bloody brilliant at e-commerce and have built billion dollar businesses in e-commerce but they don't have that formal training and i don't think we want to get to a point where you go to be in e-commerce you've got to do course a qualification b and this c like there shouldn't be those things to get into e-commerce. Like we've never been in a time where it's easier to have an e-commerce career if you are curious and driven. Um, you can start a Shopify site in 10 minutes if you really want to get in there and know how, shop, how an e-commerce site could work. So I, I, I think there are roles to play. And, you know, like you mentioned, there are specializations in retail, in retail and e-commerce. So whether that be data, whether that be pricing, finance, promotions, whatever it is, you can absolutely go do those specializations. Um, and I think they offer a hell, of a hell of a lot of value and bring them back in to help educate everyone around you. But I think we're going down a slippery slope if we start trying to put, not hurdles, but you know, qualifications in front of people who want an e-commerce career. I think the best ones are the ones that can prove that they've got the drive and the curiosity to be successful. Yeah, you know, and I, th- and, and I guess it's part of that. It, it's part of that unstructured beauty of it. And, and I think where, where we look at where a lot of e-commerce has come from, e-commerce has come in, come out of a very entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, you know, fail fast, which is you know, which which is a phrase which I think has has deservedly fallen out of favour, <laughs> fallen out of favour in the last couple of years. Um, talk talk to anyone in the buy now pay later space, for example, at the moment there's uh, you know but, but then it's it's clashed again with with the you know with these traditional big retail businesses which have which have become very corporate in their nature and 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 a lot of that structure and and again and you're going to hate me for saying this because i've just noticed while we've been chatting and because you've been on camera for someone for someone who follows the canberra raiders and follows new south wales in rugby league you look so much like Cameron Munster at the moment <laughs> who is known for that unstructured you know who has that yeah. very unstructured yeah but brilliant way and, and it makes it work but by their own admission gets a ball in their hand and, and doesn't even know you know he doesn't even know what he's going to do and and i think you come back to some of these fantastic e-commerce practitioners who again sort of didn't come out of this but have managed to build these incredible businesses and incredible ecosystems around them so yeah it's um 
it's yeah. So yeah, I've got to ask myself the question: What? Why have you started with this e-commerce accelerator? Because all you're doing is, is you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing a good job, am I? Here, <laughs> no, I always think it's better to be honest and, and truthful. But we, we absolutely see a role for training and qualification, not qualification, but training and development in e-commerce. So where it all started was that Em and I started eSuite recruiting, and we knew that if we didn't help play a role in bringing talent through e-commerce and broadening the pool. It's a very Paul Greenberg. He taught me a lot around that way of thinking is, you know, broaden the pool, make the pie bigger. If we don't help make the the pool of talent bigger, then we're going to be shuffling the same people around the same seats in e-commerce in Australia. And that's not good for anyone. It's not good for us, not good for retail, it's not good for the, the candidates. So we wanted to play a role there. And the area that we saw an opportunity is that moment that you go from university into your first job. And so there are some great degrees out there, whether that be marketing, business, finance, whatever. But there was no way. How do you get into e-commerce for your first e-commerce job? You kind of fall into it. It's the conversation we were having before. So we're like, if we can take graduates who are coming out of university and give them the skills to be up to speed with how retail works across all facets of it and a few hands-on skills around running a platform and being able to use analytics. When they come into a retailer for the first time, they're actually going to be useful because we had retailers putting their hand up going, we want junior talent, we want junior talent, but we don't have a lot of time to train them up. So they better be bloody good when they come in. I'm like, oh, that doesn't kind of work. So this way, our, our vision was that let's let's give them a foundation so when they come into their first retail job that they can immediately add value. We launched it and we got some students signed up and then we had retailers calling us up going, love the look of this program because we want to get our whole team on the same page. Basically, it's that foundation conversation. We want our merchies to understand how e-commerce works. We want our project managers. We've got people in stores that we think are superstars that we want them to have a pathway into our e-commerce team as an e-commerce coordinator. Can we put them into your course? And I'm like, oh, actually, that's a really good idea too. Um, so now we're, you know, that that's our focus is to help retailers build that pool of internal talent, e-commerce talent. That, can, that they can drive through. And, you know, if they never have to use us again as, re- as recruiters, then that's fantastic because they've developed their own pool of e-commerce talent and help their people um, develop their own career. So if you were, so if you're a company and looking to upskill your current staff within the e-commerce, and, uh, you know, so you're saying their priorities should be to sort of come in, yeah, you know, on the e-com side, is just saying start, start with the analytics and the the basic digital marketing piece or, or to get an understanding of, of a platform? And I mean, what, what would you say would be the, the higher priority? So we always talk about, you know, understanding all, all elements. So the way the course works is that 10 modules, um, starting with um, an overview of the market, moving into understanding how to map a customer journey into um, finance, into tech. So you kind of build up, but at the, right at the start, you choose one retailer to work on and every week, you dive into that retailer's business. And at the end, you've got to pitch an idea and which is a new idea. And we had some brilliant ideas come through this one, all, all from, hey, let's make inclusive sizing to new packaging to customer service portals to all sorts of stuff. It was fantastic. AR, AR fitment, all that sort of stuff. And it makes you think from all angles. 
But the other part of it is that we have partnered with Shopify on the last one where our students have access to the Shopify platform and they don't, it doesn't matter if you're not from a Shopify business, it's just to get hands-on with the back end of a platform and understand things like how to upload product, how to add product details, how to run promotions on site. And then we also give the opportunity to do a Google Analytics course, which has become a lot harder now with GA4 because there's not a lot of Google haven't designed their new GA4 course. But I think if if you can go in with that understanding across those fundamentals, plus being able to be hands-on with analytics to find the insights and do some basic tasks on a storefront, you're going to offer value straight away. What do you think? Do you think that from what you see in, in clients' businesses? Yeah, well, I, to say, I mean, it, it, you look at that at that crawl, walk, run, and I think probably the maybe on the b2b side is you probably still got a little bit of people who have been thrown into okay we need to do we need to digitally transform we've got customers asking us now for this or or where you know oh well the reason you know the reason why we the reason why we need to build a b2b port a b2b a transactional b2b portal is because where our competitors do it and we're being asked for it when we, when we respond to tenders you know there, there's all sorts of thought process on on the on the business to consumer sites it, they tend to already get this but yeah it, it's more about it's more about individual business units trying to jostle for importance in terms of okay well this is the bit you know you've got to put more focus on the shiny front bits as a you know where you've got marketing driving where you've safe got marketing driving um driving the project yeah whereas if it's from it is to say no no, no I, I need to you know i basically just need to make sure that all of the, all of this works because i i you know this is the capability of my in-house dev team and they don't know how to do this so we need to make sure that we can lean for that so yeah it's it's more about it's more about how do we it's more prioritizing because they, they're all valid like every every viewpoint is valid is to say well let's you've got to strip it back and say what what's going to what's going to make what's going to make the guy that's actually signing the check at the end of the day happy guy or girl in terms of whoever's going to be responsible yeah responsible uh, responsible for that so yeah yeah it's i mean we still talk about e-commerce as it's new it's only been around for 30 years but it's still seen as as a new way of doing retail and and we you know we sort of see different manifestations of it and, and where it's driving you know where it's driving people back into stores and, and we saw that the moment the moment lockdowns ended all of a sudden everyone rushed rush back into store again because they could and i know i was one of those and i realized after spending half an hour in a shopping mall all the reasons why i'd all the reason why i'd been shopping online because yeah you don't you don't have to fight for car parking when you when you're when you're sitting at your desk but there's uh, but again there are certain things that even to this day I, I won't buy online, not because I can't. I just prefer. I just prefer to go go into store. And uh, what are they? Uh, look, I mean, definitely. Oh, for me, shoes. I I, I tried to. I I bought yeah. some shoes earlier this year, and I it took me four attempts from three different retailers to eventually get this this shoe in a size that actually fit me. Because um, I'm one of those pesky people that has one one foot not quite the same size as the other. I so, thought you were going to. Um, I thought you were about to say you're a sneakerhead or something. <laughs> oh God, no, no, no! I'm, I'm not cool enough for that, Nathan. No, there's. But no, I was. I was just trying. I was just trying to get a pair of shoes that I had originally been into store to buy, but they'd sold out. And they and they sent me to, and they actually looked it up. You know, again, hey, let, let let's let's link all of our in store and online inventory together. So big up, big ups to them for that. 
but then they they sent me to the only other store that supposedly had it in my size and bothered like uh and they they tried it on and it just you know hooray hooray for um inconsistent shoe sizes oh, and that's the thing too about retail right is uh you come into it and I don't want to focus on anything in particular, but inventory is so important. I always call inventory the backbone of any retail business. And coming in from the outside, especially if you come from that marketing side or that tech side rather than the operational side, if you come from marketing or tech, you don't know the first thing about inventory and inventory management. But if you don't get that right, no sale that you do, no great tech advancement that you do will ever lead to a happy customer outcome. You know, and you still see it so much now is, you know, you're understanding sort of what, what your staff set up or, and they say, like, oh, what are these two guys doing or girls is, you know, it's just like, oh, what do they do? Oh, they sit, their, their job is purely just to consolidate our, you know, our, our, our retail pods and our, and our um, online inventory, which is not in real time. And it's like, okay, you don't have a system that does it. Oh, we've tried. It's really expensive. And it's like, yeah, well, what are you paying for, for these people? who are, I don't imagine they're getting the, the job satisfaction <laughs> out of doing data entry. I'm sure that sure they'd rather do something else, but yeah, but it, it, again, it's all, all part of the fun and games, which is, which is, which is this beautiful industry. So I, that's almost bringing us to the end. So we're not going to let you go before asking as we always do for all of our guests as, as some, let's wrap it up into some nice little takeaways. Um, would you have your three top tips for any company who's, looking to hire new staff for their e-commerce division you know what what would you say are the, probably the the biggest things that they should focus on where it comes to needing to add muscle to their team all right so i'm not going to go airy fairy here i'm going to make it pretty practical all right so i think the first thing i would say is if you haven't embraced flexible work if you're still hanging on to i've built this beautiful space i don't understand why people aren't coming into the office I want to be here. I want to be with them. They should want to be here. Get over it. Because even if you like working that way, the first question that we always get asked by candidates now is how often do I have to be in the office? And it doesn't mean that they don't want to be in the office, is that they now know that to do their jobs and to do their jobs effectively, they don't need to be in the office all the time. So, and and I think a big part of that is don't think of it as people are lazy and they want to work in their pajamas and they just don't want it. They, people want to make the most of their time. That's what they're thinking. So if, if working in the office for two days a week while the whole team is there is an effective use of the time, can justify traveling half an hour, an hour on a bus or a train in the morning, absolutely they will do it because they know they'll get bang out of their work day. It's not a laziness. It's a effectiveness. The second one is is you've got to pay well. And I don't mean paying overs every time. We find we get the best results from understanding where the absolute top tier is that people are willing to pay and then working down. So it's it's not so much going, this person has to come in at 85K and that's it. It's like saying, this is the experience we want. For the absolute right person, we'd go to 100 but it could be anywhere from 70 to 100. Um, and just have being flexible with that based on experience and being able to have those honest conversations with people is really important. And the third thing, I think you've got to be able to tell your story. So it's no good now being the biggest retailer, turning over millions of dollars with 200 stores and brand names and go, 
look, beating your chest and going, look how big we are, look how good we are. Why wouldn't you want to come work here? You've got to tell the story of the why. So we're finding that when we're putting opportunities out in market that have a real story, whether that be a sustainability story, uh, a founder that people go, oh, I love the way that she works. I really want to work under her um, or, or a team culture that they've built through social and they've already told that story. It's so much easier to get people through rather than going, huge head office, you'll love it. There's huge career opportunities. We're turning over billions. That story is not resonating as much anymore. People want real meaning in their work. On, on that note, we might draw things to a close, wanted to, again, extend a very, very warm thank you. Um, incredibly grateful for you giving up your time um, to join us uh, to join us today. Nathan, yeah, look, again, last chance here for if, if you want to give, if you want to give anything, anything a plug, how people can find you and connect with you away from here, please, is your, is your uh, not as if you need another 30 seconds of fame, but we'll give it to you anyway, because you're well, well deserving. Thank you, Adrian. Oh, it's always good to catch up with you, mate. I really appreciate your time. Look, Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always on there. Um, Nathan Bush and connect on LinkedIn or visit esweettalent.com.au uh, where we have all our jobs and our training programs on there. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And yeah, so, and again to that, thank you very much listeners, listeners and viewers, because I know there's uh, a lot of you on YouTube these days. Scary, scary thought. But thank you very much. Um, please give us a like, subscribe. You know, you know the drill. We all, we all ask the same thing. Uh, if you if you like the, if you like the podcast, please tell people about it, get them to get them to join. And even if we didn't like it, come back for the next one because who knows it'll be even better. Um, but there'll be a better, is, there'll uh, be a better guest than Cameron Monster next time. So <laughs> come for the next one. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm wearing a maroon jumper, mate. Um, so no, that is that is all good. But no, but thank you very much, everyone, and bye for now. Take care. Bye.